0: This is Dr. Holly Lucille's Mindful Medicine. Here's Dr. Holly Lucille. Hello again, mindful listeners. Thank you again for being with us, spending part of your day. I love it. We're going to talk today about how to avoid burnout while working from home. So WFH. We've got a lot of acronyms these days, right, LOL or In my opinion, I can't, whatever that is, we got all of them, right? But I never thought we would have WFH. I have on my work calendar many days throughout the week, WFH, and for me, that means that sometimes I'm working from WFB, my bed and my bedroom, and it gets to be a little bit too much. So I've got Dr. Greg Hammer with us again. He was an incredible guest. The the episode that we had last time, was around his book, Gain Without Pain. And of course, we're going to talk principles about that because I love it. It's the Happiness Handbook for Healthcare Professionals. He is a pediatric intensive care physician, a pediatric anesthesiologist, a professor, and so much more. Dr. Hammer, thanks for being here again.
1: My great pleasure to be with you again, Holly.
0: (laughs) So listen, I'm not kidding you. The, the the, the areas where I see my colleagues on our Zoom calls are, you know, and a lot of people thank goodness for those Zoom backgrounds because they don't want you to see the inside of their, you know, closet. They don't want you to see, you know, the room that hasn't been cleaned for four weeks. But people are doing the best that they can. We just got a stipend, uh, I think it was $175 to get like lumbar support for your kitchen chair, which you're using as your office chair, or, you know, a crappy stand-up desk that you get uh, that you put together yourself, and hey, hope it works, or what have you. It's a lot right now, and it is definitely, I think, leading to folks burning out. But on that question, what do you think constitutes burnout? Why is it on the rise amongst everybody working from home?
1: That's a great question, Holly. Burnout can be described as emotional and physical exhaustion related to stress, and that's about as simple an explanation ah. as, as we can get. And You know, we know what the physiologic effects of stress are. Acutely, stress causes an increase in the adrenaline in our bodies and an increase in another hormone called cortisol, which is a corticosteroid. And they may be adaptive in the acute situation. For example, your toddler falls into the swimming pool. You want to have a surge in adrenaline and cortisol. Your blood sugar goes up, your blood pressure goes up, and you kind of kick it into a high gear and get into action and and pull the toddler out of the swimming pool. But chronic stress, in other words, that same sort of physiologic reaction to stress over days and weeks and months is maladaptive. So acute stress may be adaptive, chronic stress is maladaptive, and the increase in adrenaline and cortisol and and other hormones or decrease in some hormones causes us to have uh, adverse effects on our circulatory system, our heart and blood vessels, it causes us to have a chronic increase in our blood sugar, which may lead to diabetes, it interferes with our sleep, and then we get into this vicious cycle where we're not sleeping well, we're tired, so we reach for sugary foods yeah. and fatty foods, also known as comfort foods, and that makes us feel kind of yucky after a little while. And <laughs> this cycle just kind of perpetuates itself when when people are exposed to chronic stress as they are now
0: yeah that that acute stress really got me because when I talk about it um, when I've talked about in the past I would use the analogy of you know to get out of the way of an oncoming car but yeah toddler drowning in a pool I actually felt I think my like that like that's a great analogy (laughs) of what adaptive acute stress would be but you're right you know I gotta tell you a story Um, I was downstairs in what I call my my basement dungeon bedroom office right now and I was able to come up because we have sort of a three-level house and I could be in the the great room and where the kitchen is where there's much more light but when my spouse is on calls it's untenable I can't I can't be on calls at the same time so I have to go down Um, so I came up um, because I had an opportunity, I was home alone, and I felt a shift because, oh my gosh, there's so much more light, I'm a little bit more comfortable, there's a larger table in front of me. And then I had to make a deal, I'm like, look, I can't be down there. It's just too, it's like, even though I'm I'm literally lying on my bed sometimes, it's just too stressful. I mean, and it's, it's dark, and it's also, it's kind of where I wanna have respite at night, right? You go to sleep, hopefully, and it's where you rest and relax and repair it. And I don't want my brain confusing, my zoom calls and my you know my patient care with me going to sleep and, and having all of those self-care things happen in a good night's sleep. And so this burnout I think is real for folks, honestly.
1: Absolutely yes. yeah well in fact that's in, that's uh, you know there are chapters on sleep exercise and nutrition at the end of the book. and sleep hygiene is really important and I think that's something that many of us who are working from home, and spending so much time at home forget about and our bed should be for two things and neither of them are having zoom calls so um, and one of them is sleep (laughs) and so we should not confuse that uh, location and that bed with reading or watching television or being on our laptops or Certainly working, yes. and you're you're very right. Our brains make that association, and it degrades our sleep.
0: Yes, thank you for that reminder. Very very important, and <laughs> you know, it, and to the point, too. This chronic stress, I think, you know, you talked about then you know reaching for comfort, sugary, fatty foods. But I also think too, then people will medicate not only their wake cycle, but they'll medicate their sleep cycle by. If you are stressed, and guess what? You're not moving, right? So we're not burning off those stress hormones, catecholamines, et cetera. Then you're kind of wired yet tired at night, and what do you reach for? People are reaching for more alcohol to get that sedative effect and have that kind of quote unquote stress reliever. And as you said really brilliantly, that vicious cycle ensues for um, this whole working from home. So let's talk about fixes. Um, How can folks that are remote working, right, and a lot of humans are these days, balance um, work and then, hey, there's also kids and the garbage to be taken out and the house to be cleaned and attended to. It's like it's a a one-stop shop now for some folks. How does it work?
1: Absolutely. Well, since we were talking about it, I would emphasize the importance of sleep, exercise, and nutrition first of all, and first of all, we have to have a a schedule. So with regard to sleep, we should have a regular bedtime, just like we would if we were getting up uh, at the same time every morning, we're getting up at 6.30 or 7 in the morning and going to work, we should have the same schedule. So we should have a regular bedtime that will help us sleep for one thing. Um, Sleep hygiene is very important. So drugs like alcohol, Uh, even Benadryl or diphenhydramine and sleeping pills, all of which tend to activate a certain receptor called the GABA receptor in our brain. And that goes for the Valium class of drugs, benzodiazepines, alcohol, uh, Benadryl, other sleep medications that may be over the counter. They activate the GABA receptor. And when that receptor is activated, it triggers a chain of events that may render us unconscious in medicine, we call that hypnosis, which is not what most people think hypnosis is. <laughs> Excuse me, but we're unconscious, but we're not really sleeping, and we don't have the restorative aspects of, of uh, non medicated sleep. So, sleep hygiene is very important. We talked about what to do in our sleep areas and what not to do, having a regular bedtime, staying away from alcohol and other uh, medicines that we uh, or drugs or substances that help us, we think help us sleep, which actually do the opposite. The other thing is caffeine. Um, Caffeine has a very long half-life of six to eight hours. And so we may have two cups in the morning at uh, eight o'clock and we should be aware of the fact that that's like having one cup of coffee at one or two o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, that caffeine is still circulating in our bloodstreams eight hours later at 50% of the level but still significant and that may interfere with our sleep as well. So you know, try to minimize caffeine intake, not just after 2 or 3 in the afternoon, but even minimize it or keep it at a reasonable level in the morning. Uh, Exercise is another thing to kind of shore up our base. Um, There are a lot of exercises we can do at home. Generally we can go out and go for a vigorous walk or a jog. Um, There's lots of home exercise regimens online. Nutrition is the third sort of uh, pillar of of our base, if you will, and, uh, you know, I won't go into a diatribe about good nutrition, but I think most of us know generally what to eat and what not to eat. So once we have a regular schedule, we're attending to our sleep hygiene, we're trying to get some exercise every day, we're focused on good nutrition, then we can start to uh, address the adverse psychologic. Ramifications of being at home, uh, what might be social isolation, for example, what might be the kids going crazy. Um, as you mentioned, you know, there are other factors that are creating chronic stress for people at home, and uh, we can sort of address those. One thing is with the kids, I think, again, the kids need a schedule, uh, they need sleep, exercise, and nutrition to be attended to, just like adults. Um, they take a page from their parents. If the parents are acting stressed, the kids are going to pick that up for sure. So it's sort of like being in an airplane when uh, the oxygen drops down, you're instructed to put your own mask on first and then help the child or person who's acting like a child sitting next to you. <laughs> and the same thing would go for stress. We need to embody uh, stress relieving leaving processes and, and try to diminish our own stress, and our kids will, will take a page from that.
0: You know, that, yeah, sleep, exercise, nutrition, I don't think you can say it enough. And, you know, I think another important point for folks to understand, and they probably do, is that when this whole pandemic started, and it was like, okay, two weeks shutdown, and it was almost like a honeymoon period. It's like, okay, let's stock up on stuff. We got toilet paper. We got food. We're all good. It's like, okay, let's let's rock and roll. But now that it is extended so long, it's almost like it kind of has to hit you that, oh, we are not going back to anything, uh, you know, even remotely looking like normal anytime soon or ever. So it's like th- these phases, I think, of adaptation to the current crisis and what's going on. And then there's also, I think, phases of vulnerability where people are like, hey, I I I was in it to win it and I'm going to make it, you know, we'll, we'll just get her done in the beginning. But now that this is your life and you're slouching on your bed trying to get your thesis written or, or, you know, a patient taking care of or what have you, it's like, okay, we've got to make adjustments for the long term because this has now turned from something, you know, I guess we'll use acute to more chronic and we've got to adjust.
1: Absolutely. Well, you know, there are we, we can talk about sort of setting our base with sleep, exercise, nutrition, keeping a schedule, um, and I realize how difficult it must be for for people who have kids at home and trying to do online learning and maybe a child with attention deficit disorder. Uh, I mean, I can't, I can just imagine how stressful that is. But you know, that's the A in in gain is acceptance, and we have to identify what we can change and what we cannot change. And the things that we cannot change, we need to really kind of focus on accepting. And the things that we can change, we should sort of put in order of priority and and attack them accordingly. So, you know, there's some things that we're not going to change. We're not going to change that we're at home and not at work. We're not getting that sort of Unspoken positive reinforcement from our boss or our colleagues about what a job we're doing. Uh, we're not getting that laugh uh, from a, a funny comment that a colleague made uh, when we were sitting in the conference room. So, yes, we have to accept the fact that we can't change much of our circumstances at the moment, but there are a lot of things that we can change. And uh, the iron gain is intention. And so You know, we talked about, I think last time, Holly, that we have a negativity bias. Our minds tend to go to the negatives. And the other thing about our minds is that they tend to dwell on the past and the future in ways that are maladaptive. And that results in regret and shame when we obsess over the past. And, and as many of us are experiencing now, fear and anxiety when we over contemplate, if you will, the future. And so those are things that we can change. We take it for granted that. Our thoughts are our thoughts but no in fact through purposefulness through intention we can actually become more positive by for example practicing a little thing called three good things before we go to sleep at night let's reflect mm. on three positive things that happen during the day whereas our, our usual negativity bias has us thinking of what went wrong at the end of the day and that uh, has been shown the three good things practice at Duke University to be associated with better sleep and more resilience and happiness. So we can actually influence the way our minds think, but we need to be purposeful. And I'll, I'll just say that, you know, John Kabat Zinn defined mindfulness as awareness that arises through paying attention on purpose in the present moment, non judgmentally. So there are several of the gain elements embodied in what Dr. Kabat Zinn said. And one of the things in the center is on purpose. We need to guide our thought processes on purpose and that's not just sort of making everything falsely rosy. It's actually acknowledging that we have a negativity bias. We have an obsession with the past and the future and we're happy when we're present. So we can actually change our thought habits and become more present. And if we're really present, we're happy. You know, we, experience the thing that is happening right now right here and you know the joy of having our children around and you know the opportunities that come from not having to commute and get aggravated sitting in traffic yeah. and and all the positive things so let's focus on what we have rather than what we don't have
0: right so that would be g the 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 g in gain is that gratitude
1: yes i, I think they're kind of all related so the, the being grateful for what we have uh, accepting the circumstances we can't change, uh, using our intention or being purposeful about guiding our thought processes in a constructive manner. And that's, that's not just, again, being Pollyanna. It's, it's rather, it's rerouting or rewiring our negativistic thoughts. Nobody said we have to focus on what we don't have. Nobody said that we have to dwell on the things that bother us. So, being present, we can actually do that through mindfulness practice, the game, meditation, et cetera. And then the end, being nonjudgmental. Um, being nonjudgmental means accepting the world exactly as it is. It doesn't have to be good or bad. We don't have to keep saying what's happening now is bad, bad, bad. Let's just drop the judgment. And when we learn to just accept things as they are, we can then kind of point toward ourselves and accept ourselves for what we are. And so these are very simple principles, Holly, and, and principles that we can all practice. And, uh, you know, it's a process, baby steps, a little bit at a time, we can gradually make ourselves more present, more resilient. And resilience means lower our stress levels.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I, I think I think the key is consistency. You know, it's almost like with exercise and that those base things that you speak about, it's that a little bit each day is better than nothing. And, you know, it's kind of don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Not exactly sure where that whole saying came from. Or if you have a brownie, you can stop there. You don't have to, you know, eat the entire pan because you feel like your, you know, your nourishment just went out the window. But I do think with practicing gratitude and acceptance and, and, and being mindful as, as far as your intention and non judgment, a little bit every day and that consistency, it like builds a muscle where you just keep working on it and keep working on it and keep working on it. Then it becomes more part of your life.
1: Exactly. I mean, we all have our morning and evening hygiene practices. You know, we wouldn't skip those. So why shouldn't we have our mindful hygiene practices? Um, You know, it's uh, very simple. Like with a gain meditation, we can all learn that and just Get up three minutes earlier and sit for three minutes in the morning, and and do our morning game contemplation, our gratitude, acceptance, intention, non-judgment, and and focus on our breathing while we're doing it. And you know, it's all like you said. You know, it's it's baby steps. I think that's a key to how we learn and repetition. So there's no such thing as failure. Even the smallest move in the right direction is a win. And uh, you know, let's not judge ourselves. Uh, poorly. And I think contributing to that is let's not try to take too big a bite. Let's just focus on one little bit of progress today and same tomorrow, maybe adding a second bit. So it's just, as you said, it, it, it's as though you're working a set of muscles. You want to, you know, you want to run a 10 K race and not a runner. You got to start really slow. Maybe start with a power walk for one mile and then, Maybe turn it into a very gentle jog, and then the next week, you know, one week at a time, gradually increase the, you know, the the jogging pace and so on. And and that's what we can do with our minds. And what a wonderful surprise that we can actually take control of the way we think and and take control of our present experience.
0: Uh, it's it every time you know we I get these gentle reminders. It just it makes me breathe a little bit deeper. It makes me feel like, oops, I have forgotten something. Um, And I know it's right there for me. And I can center in that powerfulness again. So I always appreciate talking to you. So last time we spoke, and obviously this book is still hot and off the presses and still flying off the shelves. But weren't you going to be writing another book more focused on, because this this first book, um, Healthcare Practitioners and Those Essential Workers right now, boy, I mean, the principles in the book can be applied to absolutely anything, but weren't you going to be lo- working on something else?
1: Yeah, well, I have a, a sort of a pocketbook version, which, uh, you know, I've changed the stories, uh, so they're not related to working in the hospital or a clinic or what have you, not from a physician's perspective, but just from from everybody's perspective, if you will. So that's just going to be a very readable, shorter version of the uh, of, game uh, perspective. And so that is at the publisher right now. That one is called... Gain Without Pain, Your Happiness Handbook. And then I've got uh, uh, some other books in the works. Gain Without Pain, uh, The Happiness Handbook for Entrepreneurs is one, and also one for teenagers, uh, partnering with a brilliant young guy uh, who uh, has done quite a bit for uh, with mindfulness for kids. So, yes, um, there's uh, lots of good things ahead.
0: That is what I like to hear coming from you for sure. So, once again, Greg, um the book the happiness handbook for healthcare professionals gain without pain if you i have to tell you this book if you are a healthcare practitioner or not a healthcare professional or not those simple principles of gratitude acceptance that intention and non-judgment um he lies he lays he lies he lays lays it out in such um, um a digestible way and it's a great reminder it's a great book and then greg will you remind people please, where they can actually find more about you as well.
1: Sure. My website is greghammermd.com, G-R-E-G-H-A-M-M-E-R-M-D, Greg Hammer, lowercase, no punctuation, greghammermd.com. And there's a link to the book on Amazon. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of media on there. I think, Holly, there's probably a link to our, our earlier discussion, and hopefully there will be one to this discussion as well. So that's where people can find out more.
0: All right, folks, you can gain without pain. It's really simple. Consistency, I think, is the key. Building those foundations and sticking to them a little bit every day, it's better than nothing. So just hang in there. Take good care of yourselves so you can take care of your family and others. Act locally, kind of, so we can just explode this out globally and all raise our vibration for what all is going on right now. So I will be thinking about you all. I appreciate Dr. Greg Hammer, you being here with me again, and my listeners, you so much. um, And we'll see you next time.